Hello and welcome to the Storytelling with Puck podcast. We will, as always, start with a story. When I first open my eyes, I see light. There are noises around me. I am afraid. I am handed from one person to another. I don't know them. But finally find myself staring at a face filled with love. I feel happy. As I am fed, I grow. As I grow, I learn to walk. As I walk, I start running. As I run, I also fall. I meet others like me. We become friends. We play together, sometimes fight together. I get a lot of toys, but I didn't like sharing. That caused problems. My friends didn't like it. I go to a place called school where I learn. At first, I didn't want to go. I cried for my mother. But as I meet others, I enjoyed it. We played together, even got into trouble. My parents want me to study, want me to be something. But I am enjoying my life. What more is there? As I grow older, I get pressured by family and society. Even though I work hard, I'm not really happy. As I grow older, books become my friends. As I deal with other people, their expectations increase. But no matter what I do, no one can be satisfied. It breaks my heart seeing people change. I fall in love thinking I have found the one. But alas, I get heartbroken. I still get married, loved or not. I have children, finding joy in them. I continue working hard to support my family. Despite my efforts, the boss won't treat me fairly. I go home tired, only to find my partner has left me. I become distraught. How do I take care of the children? I continue working like an animal on a farm. I grow older, yet continue to support my children. As my children grow older, they spend more time with their friends. No one wants me. I live alone now. I look down at my fragile body. Who will take care of it? When my time comes, where will I go? When everyone abandons me, is then I ask, who am I? Thank you, Garima. Before we start, a little note to anybody who is listening for the first time or anyone who might have forgotten. My name is Stefano. I run Puck Creations and I am the regular host of this podcast. If the title Storytelling with Puck hasn't given it away, this podcast is all about stories. We will share stories, chat about stories and see how stories affect the business world too. Of course, We couldn't do any of that without our wonderful guests. And you just heard her ask, who am I? But I can tell you at least what her name is. And I would like to introduce to you the wonderful Garima Nab. Garima, please tell us a little about yourself. Okay, well, I I am a blogger and a writer. I grew up in Nigeria and uh, I studied uh, microbiology from there in undergraduate and then I came to London for my postgraduate and it was during when I was in London during that time my mother was uh, sick with cancer and uh, we tried our best to get her the best treatment possible but she couldn't make it then we had to go to India to do the final rites Then after that, I went back to Nigeria because since my father is working there, so so that he will not feel alone, you know, uh, I went to support him. And then I I spent some time teaching in, in some schools. And then later I started blogging and then I left teaching so that I can concentrate totally on my writing. So I'm even writing some book. So. Okay, amazing. Um, we've jumped a little bit there through through quite a large large story of your life <laughs> um, from 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 step to step. So it'll be nice if we can explore a little bit more about all of that. So you said that you went back to India for the the last rites for for your for your mother. Um, so were you? Your mother was was Indian. Your mother was was born in yes. India originally. And, yes. and are you 
because you said that you grew up in Nigeria. Well, are you originally from India and then moved to Nigeria, or did no, your mum? No, actually, move to I was born there. <laughs> okay, um, and so your mum moved to Nigeria. Yes. M- met your father there. No, and... no, my parents. It was after my parents got married, then they yeah. moved to Nigeria. Okay, I see. Right, and so um, they moved to Nigeria. Do you mind if I ask why? Well, it, it just a job opportunity. You know, my father got a job offer and then he accepted it. And then since my parents were married, so my mother had to also go. And my mother also, my parents, they, both of them are medical doctors. So my mother also got the opportunity to work there. So the two of them, they worked in the hospitals there. Amazing. It's not something I need to say, but being a medical doctor is um, an an incredible vocation. It's not just a job. And so the fact that they both moved there and then were able to give so much, I imagine that's something you're incredibly proud of. Yeah. Yeah. They they did a lot, you know. I mean, my, uh, especially my mother, because my mother was a gynecologist. Okay. So, you know, uh, like most of the women there, like, they will have like, you know, pregnancy issue or some, you know, issue related to the women. So she had a lot of patients and because she was very kind and hardworking and sincere doctor. So many people loved her, you know. So, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so she I'm... was more popular than my father, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll admit that too, will he? He'll, he'll be happy to agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so sometimes my father used to joke with her, you know. Sometimes my father used to joke with her because normally it is expected that the man will be... <laughs> more successful than the woman but in in the case of my parents it was the opposite so my father he used to be yeah my father was proud but sometimes you know he used to tease her that you know it's like you are the breadwinner of the family not me (laughs) (laughs) i like that i like that because it's uh it's ahead of the time actually it's it's a lot more common now for um the, the the female in relationships Again, if it's if it's a, a male female relationship, for the female in the relationships to be the uh, the, the breadwinner, and uh, it's it's not seen as um, you know something strange. But I I imagine when they were younger, um, it was definitely something which was strange. And so I can I can uh, I can understand uh, how the teasing might have happened and the jokes. But <laughs> it seems like your uh, your parents were both quite forward thinking, and it didn't really bother them, which I think is um, yeah, is, is, yeah, is brilliant. Yeah. They're my parents. They are very straightforward. You know, they are honest and hardworking. So, you know, they are just simple people. I, I like that. And and so are you an only child? How many um, how many kids are in your family? No, I, I have an elder brother. Okay. And was he born? Um, was he born in India or was he born in Nigeria too? In India. He was born in India first. So he moved. How old was he when he moved? I think he should be, a, he must have been around four, five. Okay. So young enough possibly to remember little bits of it, but not to really have known what was yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Um, and so then he, he really grew up in Nigeria too. Yeah, yeah. And then, and how, then what's later, the age gap Then later the he came to London for his further studies. And oh, okay. since then he's here in the UK. Oh, so he lives, he lives, um, I should say actually to our listeners, so Garima is currently in uh, the UK uh, and uh, so we're, uh, we're, we're chatting over Zoom um, because uh, I'm, in, I'm in the Netherlands and so um, <laughs> even though I'm from the UK, so we've got, we've got a lovely mix here, but, <laughs> but uh, um, uh, so your brother moved to the UK to, to study originally and, and now he's, he's also working there and so he continued, he continued yeah. after Yeah, studies. he has been here. For over twenty years. Okay, wow, that's a that's a long time. Um, yeah. And so you said that you also we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit here. So you you grew up in Nigeria, and then you also came over to the UK to to study. Yes. Um, and you were studying microbiology. Did you say? Uh, no, that was in the undergraduate 
In the okay. postgraduate, I studied biomedical science. Biomedical science, right. Okay. Um, which uh, for many people, me included, um, is a complete, um, you know. <laughs> it, yeah, it, I know. <laughs> completely blows my mind. Um, so, so clearly very academically intelligent um, to be able to um, study that in Nigeria and then to come across to the UK to continue those studies. And so when you were studying... Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do afterwards? Because I wouldn't say that it's the most common path <laughs> to go from <laughs> your postgraduate studies into into what you're doing now as a writer. So what, what did you want to do at the time or did you not know? Um, well, actually, since I was studying science and that is related to the medical field, you know, I was thinking of becoming a researcher. Okay. You know? And maybe if possible, even further going further into PhD, you know, yeah, in, in yeah. the science field, that is how it is. It often, yes I, yes. I know I have a few um, friends uh, who have, uh, as you say, often with degrees, a lot of people go as far as the bachelor's or the master's, um, but then don't go as far as PhD. But when with science degrees, often they do. So, but you decided you decided not to continue with the PhD and to continue with the research. What made you change your mind? What made you not want to do that anymore? No, I, actually, like as I mentioned earlier, it was when I was uh, doing my master's during that time, my mother was diagnosed with the cancer. And uh, my parents were like, you know, going to India, coming to London like that to, you know, uh, get the best treatments possible. So that situation really, you know, shook the entire family. And yeah. by the time I finished the university and um, because the university where I studied, it, uh, <clears throat> it is far away from our family house. Okay. So I was staying in the hostel there, you know, so, in the dorms, yes. yeah, so I, I didn't know much about what was going on because, you know, naturally my parents, they did not want me to be disturbed, you know, and they didn't want to worry you and they yeah, wanted to, exactly. to continue so, on your, in but, your study, etc. Yeah, but by the time I finished and then I came back uh, to the family house and then, uh, we used to take her to to see the specialist doctors and then they tried their best, you know, but at the end they said that they could not do anything. So me, my father and my brother, the three of us, we we spent the whole time trying to take care of my mother, you know, like to make the final days as comfortable as possible for her. So it was, you know, a terrible time for the entire family. So, I mean, I, I, in that situation, I, I couldn't think, you know, of... Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I understand completely. Um, I, I, I genuinely do understand. So some people who are regular listeners to this podcast or who know me via other means will know that I lost my mum when I was 18, uh, also um, through cancer uh, and at the time I was um, supposed to be studying for my A-levels uh, um, in the UK and my whole mindset changed I didn't want to study after that so I, I, I couldn't concentrate on anything um, other than you know what was happening to to my mum and so I completely completely understand that your mind yeah. was also in a different place and there yeah. were the practicalities of actually looking after your mum too yeah. and, um, sleepless and nights and uh you know? Yeah. Like yeah. trying to get uh, better facilities, even in the house, you know, so it was, and then after, after she passed away, then going to India and to the holy place and uh, doing all the final rites, all that, it took so much time. Yeah. So I so just, yeah, the whole thing about going further, it just, your, your your mind wasn't in it anymore. And yeah, it yeah, it just completely disappeared. So yeah, I understand that. Um, so I, I know it's a hard conversation to talk about. So we won't 
we won't dig into it too much um, more. Um, so you went to India and you, uh, your mother had her final rites. Um, and we won't, again, like I said, we won't talk about this uh, in too much detail. But after that happened, you said that your dad then moved back to Nigeria. Um, yes, because his job, he still had his job, so... Right. Yeah, of course. Um, so uh, he has a, a lot of patients that he needed to, that needed him. Yes. Um, I, I, and I imagine in some ways, I'm projecting here a little, but I know that, again, when, when I've had loss in my life, sometimes the last thing I want to do is sit around and do nothing. I need to do something and I need exactly. to try and be helpful. So I imagine for him, he probably wanted to try and be helpful somewhere. Yeah, right? and so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, but you followed him so that you could be there with him. Yeah, I mean, because my brother, uh, my brother, he's still young, he can take care of himself. But my father, you know, because of his age, and then, uh, you know, I I also, I didn't feel like to leave my, leave my father alone. Yeah. So I just decided, you know, that let me go and be with him and, you know, spend some time to support him there. So... That's lovely. That's right. It's a truly lovely relationship that you clearly have with your family. <laughs> it's a truly close relationship. And thank you. Oh, it's it's wonderful to see. And I know it's very hard for some people who don't have those relationships. Sometimes I'm lucky. I had a very close relationship with my parents too, and so mm. I can. The pain of loss is extremely hard, but also the joy of knowing that I at least lived those glorious moments. I guess with my family is. Uh, yeah so I, again I know how hard this is to talk about so um, thank you so much for for sharing this um, <laughs> thank you we'll move on mm. so you move back to Nigeria you're with your dad and then I, I guess at some point you realized that you needed to concentrate on your own life a little again and see and see what was going to happen with your own life yes. and you said that you uh, moved into teaching yes and so what were you teaching at the time? What did you, um, uh, this is in Nigeria. We're back to, back to Nigeria. Uh, yes, yes. So I was teaching science. Okay, which makes sense. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Considering the degree you did, it's a, it's a perfect, <laughs> you, yeah. you'd think that's quite a good path to go down. And so who, who were you teaching? What kind of age groups were you teaching? Um, actually, uh, I, I didn't remain in the same school. You know, okay. I changed school. So uh, I taught, I have taught in a secondary school and in a primary school. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. So going through the, through the different, uh, the different age groups that I'm guessing teaching um, very different things in those classes yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> teaching in different schools, in different, you know, environment and different age groups, like, as you said, so. <laughs> so I imagine with that teaching, there must have been a, a challenge in the different ways to communicate with those children and to be able to get your message across to them. And yes, it leads us yes. back to what we're doing here. And when we talk about stories, because we're talking about your teaching, um, we've talked about this a little before. I know there was one particular teacher who inspired you when you were younger as well, a, uh, a gentleman called Mr. David. And I know you have a bit of a story about him, so it would be lovely if you could um, maybe share that with, with some of our, our listeners. Yeah, uh, it was during the time when I was uh, uh, preparing for the O-level. I wrote the International Cambridge exams. So at that time... Uh, you know, not only me, many of the foreigners, because there are a lot of foreigners, they are Indians, Lebanese, Pakistani. So uh, Mr. David, he was an English teacher and uh, he preferred to teach children in groups. So he uh, used to group whoever wanted to learn from him. He will just group like uh, according to your level, you know. Uh -huh. So, and he was a very kind and uh, very kind teacher. And his concept was that you should not just limit your knowledge to what is in the textbook. Mm -hmm. you, you can watch the news or watch some documentary or anything. And 
you know, use it to, to I mean, <laughs> I, I, I really don't know exactly how to explain it. But what he was trying to say was that don't just depend on the textbooks. Yeah. Yeah. It is not uh, everything. You have to be practical. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, makes you have to sense. expand your knowledge. For instance, let me just give an example. Um, sometimes, uh, there were sometimes when we used to go to his house. So in his house, he had uh, made one room into like a small classroom. And he had a little library and television, you know, yeah. to help the students. So uh, there was once when the group that I was in, we went to his house and he took us to that his room and he showed us one cartoon <laughs> of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't remember the name, you know, but it was about Mickey Mouse that he was working with a wizard. Mm -hmm. And the the wizard uh as as well wizards are depicted wearing a gown and a hat yeah, yeah. you know and a uh, spear or i don't know what something they'll be holding in their hand so uh the wizard after he did some stuff he left his hat in the room where mickey mouse was like assisting him so the wizard left the place and Mickey Mouse was tempted to, you know, <laughs> take mm -hmm. the hat because it was like a, uh, it had magic in it. Yeah. So yeah. he he took the hat and then because uh, there was no dialogue, just background music. So the next thing they showed was that he was, Mickey Mouse used the magic of the hat to create music. Oh, yes, brilliant. And yeah. they showed him that like he's on a rock and there's the ocean and the waves and then he's, you know, you know like in the, you know, the musicians when they yeah, do the, their hands like the conductors. this. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. So like that, like as if he's playing or conducting music, you know, yeah. and then at the end, at the end, the wizard came and then he was like, you know, what the hell are you doing with my <laughs> so yeah. there was absolutely no dialogue just music so after we watched all that so mr david was like you know we should write an essay on it what we think is happening you know yeah and so what... it was to get an idea of everybody's different perspectives on what they had seen and exactly the feelings exactly. that you had and things as well yeah the, what the characters because it's a are universal doing story uh, this is a universal story which everybody in the world has probably seen at some point in their lives but we all have our own idea of what the story means to us yeah. and, uh, is that that kind of what he was our own he was our for? yeah our own uh like what the characters were doing what were they feeling you know, yeah. what was the thought? Like Mickey Mouse, what was he thinking at that time? That he was, you know, behaving like a wizard himself. So, mm -hmm. and and no no other teacher has ever done anything like that, you know? So yeah. I'm sure you can understand how unique that... Yeah, so it felt it felt to you um, completely different and, and, and inspirational. And so you wanted to learn... Again, because you were being shared stories, right? You were being shared different aspects of life um, and different metaphors for what you could learn rather than being, uh, as, as, as you said at the beginning, stuck in a textbook and, and, and reading the um, granularities of grammar. <laughs> um, you, you, were, you were actually understanding how stories piece together. And then yeah. from that, you could then learn the details of grammar and how everything connects afterwards. But the excitement was there because you were able to watch something fun. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, that's wonderful. And so I know then... You, you didn't see Mr. David for quite a long time until fairly recently, right? Yeah, last year. Okay, and so what happened there? Well, uh, he um, initially, uh, many years ago, when, because he is a Ghanaian, mm -hmm. so initially when he came to Nigeria, he, uh, he taught, 
he was a lecturer in a university but then later he left the university and he uh, he now he, he has his own school so even at that time when he was teaching uh, there were sometimes when we used to go to his school so last year i got in contact with him again and he still he still has that his school <laughs> so i went to see him and he was very happy you know yeah you know to meet a former student and i told him about my writing and i showed him my blog and you know i think for a teacher there is no greater happiness than to see your former student you know and what the student who he has become what is he doing yeah so was he um did, did he know uh, about what you did at university and that you were doing science was he surprised that you had then moved into writing and away from science did he know any of that before or had he kept up with no actually actually i had not been in contact with him for a long time Okay so he was just happy in that case that he'd seen that you'd got into <laughs> into the into the world of uh, of what he was teaching and uh, yes. so let's talk about that actually so um we'll go back to your story and we'll go back to where we left off before we started talking about Mr David and you were teaching and you were going between primary and secondary schools um but obviously science was the thing on your mind and uh, and what you were portraying to your children so where was the moment when you decided actually this isn't for me i don't want to teach science anymore and i want to move into into the world of writing well i it's really hard to explain because you see the the thing about life is that life is very unpredictable <laughs> for sure you you may plan that you want to do something or you want to study something but what happens later nobody knows you know some people yeah. are lucky that they plan to study a particular subject and they end up being in that profession but there are some people that they will study one thing but at the end of the day they will be something else so mm -hmm. actually that was in my case i i i can't explain how i became interested in writing you know some things are not so there are some things you can't explain they just happen It you know? was just something that was within you that you wanted to write. I completely understand that. I I also think as well, um, especially in the UK, we're often encouraged to be supposed to know what we want to do as an adult when we're maybe turning twelve or thirteen. We're we're supposed to plan this whole life out ahead of us. It's ridiculous. Nobody knows at yeah, twelve or thirteen yeah. really. Well, some people do, but most people don't really know what they want to do when they're twelve or thirteen. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I was twenty-nine. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I didn't know which path I wanted to go down. And you know, I'd worked um, in different sales and marketing careers, and um, I travelled. And writing as a career didn't even. I didn't even realise it was a possibility. Um, it didn't seem like something that I could do. until i got older i'd loved writing as a hobby mm -hmm. but i didn't know it was something that i could do and so uh, like you it wasn't necessarily one specific moment that got me into writing but it was something that was there and it was in me and when i started doing it i realized it felt right i realized yeah. it felt like where i should be and what i should be doing did did you have a moment like that at all where you went ah this is what i want to do and i'm enjoying it Uh well actually you know when i was younger uh that was before you can say when i was in secondary school there were some you can say some moments when i had some idea of a story ah yes when we were young it's almost time to find out what inspired grima in her secondary school years but before we get to that a reminder You're currently listening to episode 17 of the Storytelling with Puck podcast. We've been privileged to hear Garima read a wonderful poem and to tell us about some of the hardest moments of her life. Listen to the second part of this episode to find out more about Garima's movement into the world of writing and to see what she's doing now. Don't forget that we will, as always, end the episode with a story from Puck Creations. So, Garima, tell us more. 
and uh, you know when uh, when it was 99 and the 2000 when the new millennium started that time um, my father he had subscribed to this uh, time magazine yeah, yeah so we used to get the magazines so when when the new millennium started the time uh, in the time magazine they 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 started some special editions you know and those editions were about the past century the famous personalities in different fields whether it is politics or entertainment or business so they 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 made all those special editions and we used to get them so i i found those uh, once very interesting not just because they wrote about the the famous people in the past century but also about, I, i used to think that you know for for those writers the ones who wrote all those biographies and articles how much effort it must have taken them to write you know all yeah. those things just for this one special edition mm-hmm. or uh, you know so i you know sometimes i use i myself i used to have some fictional story in my mind but yeah. i just used to dismiss it because in those days you know my uh, my parents wanted me to concentrate on my studies you know mm-hmm. so you yeah. can say that there were some little little moments yeah you know but yeah. it was not until just a few years ago i started it was in 2019 when i started my blog mm-hmm. you know and to and, tell uh, our listeners a little bit more about your blog what's your what's your blog about uh well i um my blog the name of my blog is new age magazine mm-hmm. and in it i write articles on different topics you know okay. like and so where does the inspiration for the topics come from is it just something that you've paid attention to during the week or do you have do you look for something in particular yeah uh if i find like if i search online or in the news if i find something interesting or sometimes you know sometimes when i think about some topic you know some idea comes <laughs> to the mind so and then i do my research and compile whatever i whatever information i get perfect perfect and, and then i also write book reviews because okay. i read a lot of novels so <laughs> i also write the the ones that i feel they are really good Okay the, so you you're usually when you're writing a review it's it's not in the sense of a critic that will write about everything um good and bad you want to encourage the good ones and give them a bit of a platform Yeah exactly Okay that's lovely actually it's uh, because I think um uh, many authors will tell you that it's very very hard to get your work out there if you're if you don't have a you know a a, a huge agent or a publishing contract etc so the fact that you're writing about these books uh, some are 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 they a mixture of both famous and kind of less famous books or how do you pick the books that you're writing about yeah i actually i'm not uh, i mean i'm not strict like that you know mm-hmm. whether the author is famous or not famous no matter the genre i just as long as i feel that yes there is something good yeah. about this story or about the novel you know naturally you will feel like sharing so that others may also be uh, curious to read and then like as you said that the author will get a wider audience Yeah, no, that's perfect. I, re- I I I like that, and I think um, there'll be uh, some authors potentially listening to this who may uh, who may be sitting in books your way, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that you can read them and uh, and give them a little review uh, later later down the line. So you took part in our storytelling with Park initiative at the beginning of the year, yeah. um, and uh, that's where we heard the Mr. David story, and it's also where we've heard a few of your other stories. 
But because we're now talking in more detail about putting pen to paper, one thing that you did for storytelling with Puck was write your first ever published or first ever poem that you put out to the public uh, so that people could see and I, I know that was quite a nervous moment for you <laughs> because it was, uh, it was letting your soul out on the line a little but I loved it and I'm sure our listeners will too so would you maybe give them a chance to to hear what you wrote all right this is a short one <laughs> uh the title is I pen made from plastic and ink I am skillfully made. I can write as long as possible with no expiry date. I come in many colors resembling a rainbow, like a character of many shades on a stage show. I put words on paper while being held carefully. That's why I am loved even though unconsciously. I'm sure that other writers who are listening to this will relate so closely to that poem. It's beautiful. I really love it. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And it almost brings us back full circle, actually, to your original poem and your original story that we started this podcast off with. So tell me a little bit more about where the inspiration for that came from. You have almost explained a whole life um, within the space of... Uh, just a few minutes within that poem. I, I really enjoyed listening to it. It was, it was it was very powerful. What made you write it? Well, um, you can say like my life experience uh, together with, you know, when you watch television, when you watch like in the news, things happening in the society and then plus the experience that you get in your own life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when when we are children, at that stage, we are innocent. We don't know the realities of the world, you know. And um, because at that time, the only thing you think about is to be playing around, making friends, having fun. But as you grow older, you you get more engaged with other people in the society. And then you get experience about that our human society can be cruel, you know? And in some cases, even your own family members can be cruel to you, you know? (laughs) Today, somebody can be your friend. Tomorrow, the person can turn his back on you. Even if you didn't do anything wrong. And the, the problem with human beings is that our human psychology is very complicated very complicated and uh, i remember uh, when uh, when i was in nigeria there, there's one i have a few nigerian friends who have been good to me so i remember there was once i told one of the my nigerian friend i told her that uh, animals are better than human beings because <laughs> once you once you tame an animal and the animal recognizes you that yeah you are a good person it will remain loyal to you for the rest of its life you know while a human being a human being is selfish a human being will first think of his own benefit you know so then that my friend was like asking me like she was surprised she was like asking me that is it true i said yes i said don't you know she said didn't know she didn't know that animals <laughs> no there is a lot of truth to that actually there is definitely a lot of truth to that i know that people talk about um canines and the empathy that they have so it was just a an idea to write down because there are sometimes that you know there are some moments you will have something in your mind and you will not have peace of mind mm-hmm. until you actually write well i'm glad you did um because it's a, it, it really is a a wonderful poem and it makes you it definitely makes you think and it leads me on to um one of uh, the, the the final questions for uh, for for today's episode um which is so so what what are you doing what are you actually doing now what's your day to day um life who 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 are you working with and and what are you writing most days um, well, like as uh, as I mentioned that now I am in London, 
in our family house so taking care of my father taking care <laughs> of my brother and then at the same time i i am uh, working on my blog and then also i uh, on the linkedin um uh, this one american woman her name is erica mm-hmm. so she got impressed you can say by one of my articles that okay. i when i posted the link to my blog and then and then i am now writing articles for her blog okay. also fantastic yeah. and at the same time i am working with a group of uh, authors so uh, i am writing they they are um i am writing for them this uh, one fantasy you know they i mean they also what they did was that they made a podcast mm-hmm. you know so they they are a group of them about four or five different characters and each person is is each person represents one character so they made a podcast and i had to listen to the podcast and write down who is saying what Okay perfect so and yeah you're transcribing there, it for them yeah yeah the transcript and then from there i am working on writing the novel you know oh amazing yeah so <laughs> that is my current uh, project that's that's some work that's uh, it, so it sounds like you're extremely busy but if people would like to find you um to talk to you or if they would like to read your blog or to maybe get you to to help them with uh, some of their articles etc where can you be found how can uh, how how can our listeners find you yeah uh, you can find me on facebook on linkedin my name is garima nab so and then uh i i have my blog is uh, www.newagemag <laughs> not New magazine is mag newagemag yeah, keep, keep off the azine <laughs> yeah dot blog you know <laughs> yeah okay perfect we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes and we'll put your linkedin in um on the show notes as well um and your facebook page so that people can find you there also you can send me any other links if you um if you remember later so we'll we'll add them to the show notes too um garima it's been such a pleasure speaking to you um i know that some of this conversation was hard to talk about um <laughs> so i really appreciate that yeah, you did yeah i i i can't imagine you know the like as i have listened to all the podcast and i realized that you know there are many people who have suffered greater than me and yet they have the courage to come out and actually you know share you know so sometimes uh, i feel that maybe i don't know my suffering is nothing compared to Uh, for, for, for my point of view on that, um, it's not for me to to judge or to to to, 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 to you know to say how you should feel. But my point of view and the way I feel about that is that it's not about comparison. I, if you listen back to Shana's episode, she talks about this actually quite quite a lot. The idea that because one person is suffering somewhere with something, it means that you can't also be suffering is 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 ridiculous. there are things going on in every single one of our lives we are all we all have our own struggles they are different struggles and they occur for different reasons the fact that we're talking about them and that's part of the reason this podcast exists the fact that people are talking about them is something that hopefully means that we can all relate to each other and what makes us humans is that level of understanding and empathy we can have when we actually take the time to listen to each other and to realize that we are a lot more alike than it sometimes seems so i would ask that maybe you take that a little bit on board and don't feel like you know you need to compare what you've been through to other people what you've been through is what you've been through and whatever it felt like to you is what it felt like to you. You don't need to worry about what everybody else thinks. That's my advice. Uh, I don't usually Thank give advice. You. And uh before I before I forget, sorry, before I forget, I also uh I I actually have my author website. Oh yes. And I um even though I I haven't published any book yet, but I have 
I already made my author website and then uh, I I interview authors. Actually. Oh, okay. Fantastic. So you're yeah. interviewing other authors um, as well as the reviews you're doing. You're also interviewing authors who are... Yeah. yeah. I, I, have they finished their books, the authors that you're interviewing or are they partway yeah. through their books? Yeah, yeah. They, they finished them. Okay, so they've got yeah. a... Okay, they fantastic. already have published books. So I just... Uh, I, I just had this idea, you know, to to keep on being active and then you give uh, people the opportunity to talk about what they have done or what they have achieved, you know. Uh, that's a great thing to do. Um, and uh, it's, it's wonderful that people have the opportunity to talk a little bit more in depth about their inspiration. It's part of the reason that we do these podcasts as well, so that we can get people to um, explain where their process comes from and, and how they think of um, uh, how they think of their ideas, etc. So it's great that you do that. We'll make sure that we add that to the uh, show notes as well so that people can see it. All right. But what, um, what I, I should remind our listeners of now is that um, uh, just after we say our goodbyes, uh, we will, of course, be having a puck creation story. But for now, Garima, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on the Storytelling Thank you podcast. also for taking your time. I really I have never uh, had this type of situation since I started having all these Zoom meetings, first from the storytelling and now, you know, one-to-one. So I really, really am very thankful to you. And uh, I really appreciate listen to your podcast so you really you're doing a lot for other people for them to come out and talk about their lives that is also a you know great service you know well it's genuinely a pleasure and um, it's selfish because i enjoy it too i think if you are i think if you are selfish for a good thing that is good <laughs> 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 that's fair that's fair um, but no it, genuinely it is a pleasure and um, thank you again Grima and uh, for now it's goodbye but we'll make sure that we uh, we catch up again soon shows how much of a problem I have with eating too much I guess all of that drama all of that pain and yet my first thought is almost always the strawberry bonbons they were definitely better back then my mum's childhood home still feels like a second home to me. My auntie Josie, who owns it now, would always give me the biggest hug, being that we were both the babies of our families. I hated the stink of smoke when my dad clogged up the bathroom at home, but somehow the mixture of old cigarettes on Josie's cardigan, smoke from the open fire and peat was the most welcoming smell I could imagine. It was the smell that told me I would be getting spoiled rotten for six whole weeks and that my parents would allow me to get away with it. A few days in and it was time for another trip. As a 10 year, 11 month old who only ever wanted to eat cake, play football and watch TV, the idea of driving around some of the most beautiful parts of the world to see some hills and ponds didn't exactly make me jump with joy. Josie took my side, as always, and said I could stay home with her, but my parents rightly insisted that I come along to take in the real island. They promised me that it would be a lot of fun, and they even offered an ice cream at the end, if I behaved myself. It seemed worth it, so I sat next to my sister in the back seat of the Volvo, and we started to explore. Dad always drove a little bit faster at the top of hills to mum's annoyance, but he knew that we all enjoyed the weird feeling it made in our stomachs. It was a really nice day and all of the tight turns and swerves made the drive feel like a roller coaster. I was always a bit scared of roller coasters, but I knew this one was okay because, well, dad was driving and dad could do anything. We stopped quite a lot, stretched our legs and looked at the incredible views. As we stood staring over the roaring mountains that made sure the mystical monsters couldn't escape from the world's deepest lakes, I realised that this was way more fun than watching TV. Mum even told us about her childhood and showed us the places that she used to go and visit after school. We had ventured quite a bit further out by the time I woke up. As much as I was enjoying the day, the fresh air had made me tired. 
There was a sign on the way in that said, The Gap of Dunlow. We parked up next to a bridge over a flowing river and beauty on either side. My grogginess disappeared pretty quickly, and all I wanted to do at that point was run around and play. We decided upon a game, I since learned that it's called Poo Sticks, that involved dropping something, traditionally a stick, on the upstream of a bridge and running to the other side in order to see it before it disappeared. Simple, harmless fun. At least that's what we thought. As the door hit me on the top of the head, I was actually a little grateful. It took the pain away from my leg for just a split second. My sister was being caring, but she was also in somewhat of a panic. Although I didn't realise it at the time, it was probably because my foot was facing in the opposite direction to my leg. The lady who hit me didn't mean to. In fact, it wasn't really her fault at all. I had turned around, chasing the item I had thrown in the river, and ignored the years of lessons and warnings I had been given about crossing the road without looking. In my defence, I still had a month before I turned eleven. Supposedly, the real problem didn't come from the impact of the car. It came from the way my foot was wedged to the floor. As my body moved, my foot didn't, and that caused it to snap. Mum called an ambulance, but seeing as we were in the middle of nowhere, it would have taken a couple of hours to arrive and another couple of hours to get me to Trilly Hospital. Dad took it upon himself to pick me up and lay me across the back seats of the car. My sister was desperate to help, so she closed the door quickly. She just forgot to move my head. (sighs) That was the least of my worries. It turns out that my parents literally saved my leg. I didn't know this until six months later, but the doctors at the hospital said that if we had waited for an ambulance, my leg would have had to have been amputated. All I knew was that I had to wear a cast, which I was allowed to ask people to write on, and that I had to use crutches for a while. The day I got home, I was welcomed back by my family with a big banner and a lovely cake. So I got what I wanted after all. My aunt still jokes that I should have stayed at home with her, but if I had, I would have never received those wonderful strawberry bonbons. To this day, I don't remember who it was that bought them, and neither does anyone else, but I do remember the kind face and smile. I had been in a lot of pain that day, so I had been told to go rest in bed. Stefano, a visitor! was the call, before this man entered the room and wished me well. He offered me the sweets which I had never before had, and left again. The sweet taste of that first bonbon seemed to instantly free me from the pain. To this day, those bonbons are the first thing I remember whenever anyone asks about that time you broke your leg. Strange how memories work, isn't it? Bonbon, anyone? You've just been listening to the Storytelling with Puck podcast. We'll be back very soon, so make sure you subscribe and catch up on any of the episodes you've missed.